Welcome to the 343 Podcast, where we tirelessly work to elevate the level of discourse and practitionership here in American soccer. I'm your host, Gary Kleiben, and today I'm joined once again by longtime friend and excellent youth coach, Joey Cassio. This was an off-the-cuff chat on perhaps one of the most neglected but fundamental skills in football, specifically what we like to call losing your man. Sure, we all know in theory that creating and finding space while your team is in possession is important. So why isn't this regularly trained in American soccer? Why is this not generally considered worth any time and attention in coaching education, particularly here in the States? Why is this rarely a topic of discourse in those who cover the sport here in the States? All important questions Joey and I start to address in today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. And of course, guys, since this is an in-the-weeds discussion on coaching and how to train, we've got you covered at 343coaching.com, the online coaching education platform that accelerates the work in your craft. And now, a quick few second mentions on what sponsors this episode. It's the best way to support the podcast, but more important, greatly improve your current soccer situation. First, if you're a coach, you've got to check out 343coaching.com. There are both free and premium programs for you there. The premium program in particular gives you full access to watch and listen to players, teams, and coaches in the real-life training environment. Now, what I mean by that is that the film and audio are not staged or scripted, such as what you would get at a conference or a typical course or video online. No, no, no. You get to be a legit fly-on-the-wall and steady Brian who basically helped pioneer a seismic shift in American soccer on how to develop youth players at every level. Among the many now professional players who were under his direct tutelage across many teams, one team in particular, which he started at U10 and led through U19, really stands out. Over a handful of players on that team became professionals. It's incredible work. And the actual training of that team and those players is what you get to use to catapult your coaching. Okay, second, let's say you're not a coach, but you're a parent of a youth player looking for how to best put them on a proper path. The solution for you guys is at 343masterclass.com. And third, if you'd consider going to a private school for academics, either here in the States or in Europe, that also has an integrated soccer program, you should check out acceleratorschool.com. Critically important, the solutions for coaches, for parents, and for players are offered from people who have actually done the work and have an unprecedented track record in the United States. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just scratching the surface here, folks, but it's an important starting point for us to further expand down the line. All right, my boy, per usual, there's nothing prepared, nothing scripted. There's no agenda. You had mentioned a month ago when we last recorded that there was a topic that's been on your mind for a little while insofar as like something that's so critical to train and almost is never, ever trained, particularly here in the United States. Um, I don't know if you still wanted to talk about that or if you had something else in mind. And if you did want to talk about that, just fire away. Yeah, of course, man. It's something that even for me, it, it took me years to understand the importance of this part of developing players. But yeah, the, the topic of discussion that 
I brought up when we sat down was losing your man. When you go and you watch youth games around Southern California, you don't see this done at a good level. It seems pretty clear that the players don't have a good idea of how to do this, when to do this. And it seriously lacks within the youth game, at least here in Southern California. So yeah, that was a topic that I thought that we could discuss. Um, yeah, just some general thoughts watching all these youth games that I do in Southern California. You see a lot of this and maybe not so much at like the, the top level of the youth game, but I'd say like mid-tier level and even above to some extent. You see a lot of players, you know, when teams building out of the back, the midfielders, the attacking players, they, they usually do one thing, which is sort of check back to the ball. And you hear that a lot. When I was growing up playing soccer, everybody told me to check in for the ball. And you hear that now even today. And you see a lot of players, they run back towards the ball. Let's say the center backs have the ball. They're trying to build out of the back. The midfielders will just sort of run back towards the center back to, to ask for the ball. And, you know, there might be some instances where this is okay. But I would say majority of the time, it doesn't help when you're trying to advance the ball forward. You've got the player receiving the ball with his back turned to where you want your team to go. You can't see the defenders behind you that are applying pressure on you. So there's many problems with that, but maybe it's something that we can dive in a little bit more. Yeah. So my immediate reaction is the same as the one when you first brought this up a month ago. And that is, wow, Joey, you know, of all the things that I have personally observed over so long in the game here in the States, I never really focused that much on that one to the degree where I judged it as the least trained, least utilized, the least seen thing happening in soccer here. Uh, we've always principally focused on building out of the back, connecting passes through all areas of the field, because that gets the, the players thinking a lot in terms of in possession as to how to advance the ball forward, as to how to build a collective team game. But that one ingredient of losing your man, I think I agree with you. It is the one that is least seen of all. And it might be, I'd be curious to get your take on this as to the reason why that is. My reaction is it might be the least sexy thing both to train and the least sexy thing for players to practice and, and execute in the games because it's not flashy at all, meaning trying to juke your defender off the ball to create that extra bit of space for yourself, either going towards goal or checking in to the ball as you described. There isn't a lot of pride, I think, that, that the players take in that. They take more pride in being able to dribble past the player or shoot on goal and, and finish the play. Or heck, even maybe even building out of the back, they might feel great in doing that. Because again, it's with the ball and the off the ball stuff is least sexy. And, and from the trainer's perspective, probably least sexy also because it, it's something that happens off the ball. And probably for the trainer also, it might be harder for the trainer to get buy-in from the players and in the youth games case, from the parents as well, because people might not see the immediate rewards to that or the immediate developmental objectives to that. I, I don't know. I'm kind of 
improvising here based on my experience as to why that might be the most efficient training thing to do and the most efficient thing that we see in the game. I agree with you, Gary. I think in my case, that's exactly what it was. For years, I never put a lot of attention into that principle of youth development because it didn't have to do with the ball. And I think as over the years, as my ability to observe a game and see things going on off of the ball, I started to realize how important that part of things was when you're developing not just a collective group, but also the individual player. And I think as players move up in level, well, then they have to be even better at this particular skill because the defensive pressure is higher and you have to be able to create space for yourself off the ball so that when you get it, you have just that little bit of extra time to be able to execute what you want to do. But I think I agree with you, man. I think because it doesn't have to do with the ball, I think players, they're not crazy about training that aspect of the game and coaches too. Me, an example, in my early years, I, I didn't spend a lot of time on it at all, to be honest with you. Yeah. And you might not get the ball. That might be the other thing from the player's perspective is let's say you're the winger and you either try to lose your man to come receive it, not in behind the defense, right? But receive it in between the lines. You might do that if you're doing, doing it appropriately. You might be doing that a dozen times a game or more, way more potentially. And you might only get the ball once, you see, or if you're losing your man and trying to receive the ball in behind, the ball might not get delivered to you 90% of the time. Um, maybe not even attempted to be delivered to you by your teammates over 90% of the time. So maybe players get exhausted of like, why am I going to be doing these little sprints or these little movements or whatever, if I'm not even going to get the ball. And again, that's a challenge for not only the player, but for the trainer and the coach, and obviously the supporting cast that are the parents in the case of the youth game to try to communicate religiously that how critically important this is for irrespective of how many times it's successful or how many times you actually get the ball, how important it is to acquire this skill and continue improving and doing it right. Because Joey, as you well know, at the professional game, if you've been analyzing matches to any sort of degree, and that means not just being a fan, not just ball watching, not just enjoying matches, but actually breaking down pro games. If you're not good at losing your man, that means you're not good at finding space. And if you're not good at finding space, you're in big, big trouble, the higher the level you go, because space is everything you need time to operate and every little millisecond counts. And this is what happens a lot of times when players go from a lower level to a higher level at the pro level, they can't cut the mustard because defenses squeeze that space that much better. And all of a sudden you don't have the space and time frame. It's, I mean, as simple as it sounds, you just don't have the same space and time. So if you're going from MLS to Europe, that is a huge, huge Canyon to cross with respect to space and time. You don't have that much overseas as you do over here. And that costs players dearly at the next level. And even within those levels, Joey, I don't know if you were able to catch Benfica versus Liverpool uh, in the Champions League quarters the past couple of weeks, but 
in Portugal, which is considered the sixth best league in the world, Benfica, for the most part, every player in every position has a certain amount of space and time they can operate. And Benfica looks fantastic most of the time. They get their 60% possession, 63% possession. They come clean out of the back. They can get the ball in congested areas in the midfield and still their midfielders are able to operate quite well. Darwin Nunez or, or the front line are able to receive with their back to goal. Yeah, they're pressured, but to a certain degree. And then when they play Liverpool, the space and time in that game, Joey, for Benfica players in all areas of the park was squeezed that much more than they're accustomed to. And though many of those players struggled a little bit more. And that little bit more that they struggled makes the, all the difference in the world. So even though they put up a good fight and they made it competitive, Liverpool is a team that ends up advancing. And so there's levels to this is what I'm saying. And that one skill is not sexy, but it's so critical. Yeah, man. Coming back to the youth game here in Southern California, I think if you're the, at the bottom levels of the youth game, you know, the, the pressure isn't, isn't super intense. So the players usually have a little bit of time on the ball. Uh, even if their first touch is poor, they can still usually recover it and they have enough time to, to play a pass or whatever it is they're, that they're going to do. Then you move up maybe to mid-tier. And even then, like the, the level of collective defending is still not great. So players have time. But then you get to maybe the MLS Academy level, ECNL level, where I don't necessarily know if it's, you know, choreographed defensive movements. I'd say it's more so just the athletic superiority of the players. When you are competing at that level, the, the time and the space that you have on the ball uh, begins to be minimized. And so having that little bit of skill to lose your man and create space for yourself starts to come into play more. If you have that, chances are you can be successful at, say, the ECNL, MLS next level. And then, yeah, you, you talked about it at the pro level. You deal with a Liverpool pressing you, a Manchester City pressing you those types of teams, that skill is very, very important to success. So yeah, man, it's something that's not discussed much and very, very important. And I think for me, I think this is maybe one of those things here in the States that is seriously lacking. But if coaches across the country at all levels can apply it in, in their sessions, continuously repeat, 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 then we could see a major jump here in, in development across the States for our youth players. Yeah. Question for you, Joe, because you've gone through the coaching licenses here. Is this topic ever seriously discussed? And if so, in, in what context and going even further, how much emphasis is there on playing off the ball? And I'm not talking defensively. I'm talking this specific case of losing your man to try to receive and amplify the time that you have on the ball? Very little, if at all, Gary. I think people will bring up the phrase creating space, showing for the ball, those things, but there's no serious discussion on how to do it and how to train players on how to do it. There's multiple ways to do it. I know in the 343 curriculum, there's a specific exercise that 
teaches players to use a fake movement one direction to then go the other direction. You create the space and you can receive the ball. There's also casually sort of standing in your position, like a starting position. You're just chilling. And then all of a sudden you go from zero to 60. You pop off one direction just to create that space between you and the defender. Now you have that much room to receive a pass. And there's also just the understanding of the player to just position yourself in a way that doesn't allow your mark to see you and the ball at the same time. When you put yourself in that sort of position, you give yourself the ability to move out of the side of the defender. And I've seen this with my teams. Like, for example, midfielders, they always stand in a line of sight uh, for the defender to be able to see them and the ball at the same time, which gives the defender the advantage. But if they just reposition themselves just a little bit to where maybe they're on the shoulder of the defender, now that defender cannot see the ball and them at the same time, they have the advantage now. So when they decide to break off, they give themselves that much more of an opportunity to get away and create that space. Yeah, these are things, man, that I, I never heard discussed. And I'm 12 to 15 years into my coaching career. And I would say just in the last couple of years, I've started to understand how critical this is to ingrain into my players as I'm building my teams. Yeah, no question. And I'm glad you brought up the program because we've been teaching this for the better part of 10 years at this point. And so many coaches that have taken the program seriously and implemented these things, they get it. And it's quite fascinating hearing, you know, success stories and testimonials or whatever after the game, the other team with the other uh, coaches or referees congratulating, oh my gosh, I've never seen a, a team play this way. But it, they always see just the, the successful possession and then leading to scoring goals, right? And, and winning a match, playing in that sort of style. But I don't think everybody sees the, that underlying work of losing your man. I think the opponent just, the opposing coach, I've seen this many times, opposing coach just says, you know, yells at their players saying, why is he open? You know, why, you know, Mark, that's supposed to be your guy or whatever. And it's, I don't think that they're seeing the movements of these players making that a problem for them, right? They, they just see that our teams, for instance, our players are more open, are open all the time. And why is that? It's quite surprising to me, frankly, that you say that the coaching courses here, the licensee, doesn't discuss this to any significant degree because it's just so critical. Sure. The other things might be way more important depending on, you know, age and level of play and the things of that nature. But I don't think that's why it's missing in the U S soccer coaching curriculum. And I don't think that's why it's missing in other programs. And I don't think that's why it's not being trained. I just think people haven't been. Uh, exposed to it enough or educated enough or understand the value of it enough to go forward with it. In my case, it's like I said, it's taken me years, I think, just to develop an eye for what I'm seeing on the field to understand what's actually taking place and to have an eye for what's happening off of the ball. Even me, when I first started using the 343 methodology, I didn't understand that. 
You know, I focused more so on the ball and maybe a little bit of the positioning off of the ball. But now, after years, I watch games, youth level and, and pro level. I have a great appreciation. For example, I'll use Tedri from Barcelona. Young kid, his ability off the ball is unbelievable. He's so good at uh, creating space for himself uh, as his team's trying to, to build out from the back. I'm In the past two, three years, I've just been able to see this stuff and it's allowed me to then take that and try to build a way of training it within my teams. And I'm still learning how to do that because much of what you talked about earlier, the players, they don't always buy in because it's something that's taking place away from the ball. So it, it is a challenge, but I'm continuing to learn and it's a trial and error process, but man, it, they start to see it a little bit. I think they, they start to understand the importance of it. Um, yeah. I can see Joey, a natural question of somebody who's listening to this, whether it be a coach or, or anybody, a natural question would be, okay, guys, well, at what age should this start being trained and how much of this should take place as a percentage of the total training time? Because guys, I mean. If you're talking about super young kids, I think time on the ball is the most important thing. And this off the ball stuff is more tactical work or something that's different. And that's not what the kids need at this point. The kid needs 10,000 touches. The kid needs 10,000 repetitions on the ball for X, Y, or Z. Uh, why are you spending so much time on this? So that would be the natural tendency, I presume from many people in the audience and they would like to have maybe an answer or a perspective or an opinion as to, is this age appropriate as everybody here in the States like to say? In my opinion, I think it should be done at a young age. The way I see it, we should be at the young ages developing the individual. And this is a key part of being a good player as an individual. And as they get older, they start to learn more of how to perform within a collective group. But once you get to that point, you want to have really, really good individual players. So yeah, along with technique and that kind of stuff, I think that this should be worked in to developing young players so that them as the individual can be successful within a collective group performing together. And I think that part maybe happens later on down the road, tactics and stuff like that. Um, yeah, in my opinion, I would say if, if I were to put an age on it, you know, maybe at U8, maybe nine, they're getting all those touches, they're learning technique, maybe more so the focus is on the rondo, the 4v1 rondo, which we talked about last time, so that they're, they're, they're developing those fundamental techniques and how to play within a team. But not too long after that, I think this should be one of the focuses. I know now I coach a U15 team. I wish that they had this more ingrained in their individual abilities because it would allow us to, to have more collective success now that they're starting to get a little bit older. Got it. So, okay, I got it. I, I really like that you mentioned your U15 team and your desire or wish that they had been exposed to this earlier than that. Because... Yeah, man, at U15, you're already kind of half-baked, so to speak. So what are you thinking? Maybe U12? Yeah, I would say U11, U12, I think losing your man is 
a critical part of, of the process. And maybe before that, you're looking U10, U, U9, U8. It's, you're focused on the rondo and developing those fundamental techniques and just being comfortable with the ball. Got it. Okay. Very good, Joe. Um, any other thoughts on this very specific skill? I think the collective part of this, when you're trying to lose your man within a team, the timing has to be trained. So you train the individual to be able to understand how to lose their man. But then when you're trying to do it within a team, the timing of it is very, very important. And all the players have to understand and have an eye for, you know, when somebody's popping off or when they make a fake movement one direction to come back the other direction. So maybe this is a little bit further down the road than what we just spoke about, but the timing of it is very important and it plays into the, the success of being able to use it effectively within a team. Got it. Any advice for maybe parents of youth players, which I know many listen to us here, or heck, even media, which I know a ton of media listen to our every word. You know, maybe what, what do you, what do you look for maybe in a game? So if you're watching a match and you're interested in kind of improving your discernment of which we're all trying to improve constantly, it never stops. How would you suggest you look for these sorts of things? That, that's an interesting question, Gary. So I tend to go back and forth. Uh, I'll usually watch the ball a little bit to get to get an idea of the level of technique that these players have at the highest levels, for example, Champions League. So when I want to sort of see what the level is that these players can receive across their body and get the ball off their foot with a pass, you know, as quickly as possible, I'll watch the ball. But I also spend a lot of time during a match, 90 minutes, I'd say maybe 50, 50, 50% of the time I'm watching the ball and each player receive the ball and what they do and sort of their technique. And then the other 50% is off the ball, watching what the players do off the ball. Specifically, I'd say when like the center backs have the ball and they're trying to build out of the back, what are the midfielders doing? What's the forward doing? What are the wingers doing to try to position themselves in a way that allows the team to come forward? And then a little bit of the defensive side too. I'll, I'll try to watch that a, a little bit as well. Got you. If I may add just one more comment there, in particular, if you're interested in learning about a specific position, and I know it's hard if somebody's not used to doing this or in it isn't a scout or something like that, to just focus on one player. So if you're interested in learning more about an attacking mid or a winger, you know what? Test yourself and see how long you can go with just observing that player and nothing else on the field and just tracking that the entire match. I think you'd be surprised at how much is revealed to you, meaning how much walking is involved, how much head pivoting is occurring and scanning, how much movement, I mean, depending on what sector of, of the field the ball is in, you know, how reproducible the movements of each position actually are, right? And I think that is indicative of uh, good tactics. And in large part, you know, the losing your man component is buried in there. I see at, at the pro level though, it gets a little bit more convoluted too, because 
in addition for just the one singular player trying to find space by losing their man at the highest levels, there are other movements by other players with the intent to liberate their buddy also. Does that make sense? So if you want your offensive mid, for example, to get the ball from your center back or something of that nature, it could very well be choreographed that your six, which usually does that, makes a movement away from that passing area or that passing lane to drag the defender so that the attacking mid comes down deep to receive it from the center back. You see what I'm saying? So it wasn't really a losing your man or it could, it could be just your buddy created space for you intentionally, or it could be a combination of two, right? Your six created the space and you lost your man in synchronicity to have the space and receive the ball. But I think it, it's a good exercise, especially for youth players too, to just look at the position that you usually play and track that player at the pro level and just study the crap out of it. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches, you can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels. Nonsense. We've proved it at every single level and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program. Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. And if you're interested in a solution that blends both academics and soccer, there's even the opportunity to do this in Europe as well. To learn more, visit acceleratorschool.com. Until next time, cheers everyone and keep building.